everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Monday to you all, as it is officially post-WrestleMania season at long last, as we're here recapping the 2022 edition of WrestleMania Backlash. I'm Keela Cash, and as always, by my side, per the usual, is my co-captain, my right-hand man, the wise man himself, and sometimes part-time advocate for Von Wagner. I bring to you, as always, Scott Young. Welcome back, Scott. Thank you for having me, Keela. And as always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE with you. Um, even when WWE going WWE and they just they have opportunities right there and they choose not to do them. But I can't complain too much because then they they also put on good shows when they have no right to be, you know, or at least decent shows better than they should be. So it's, it's a mixed bag for me tonight. I'm, I'm in a mixed bag. Ooh, mixed back. Scott is in the house. So there might be some disagreements here along the way, but I'm here for it as we recap WrestleMania Backlash as we bid WrestleMania adieu officially. And we'll get down to the card soon. But I do want to mention the Poe apps we've been giving away on various Fight Game Media shows as of late, leading up to AEW's Double Nothing pay-per-view going down in late May. And by the way, all of these are completely completely free digital tokens to, to, to show that you were here to listen to the podcast with us. And the fun part is that we are giving away three core prizes around Double or Nothing. Every PO app that you hold in your digital wallet is an entry. One prize is a cameo-style Q&A video with Dave Meltzer. You get to ask Dave a question and you will get a video answer. The second prize is a guest appearance in any Fiking Media show of your choice. And the third prize, which really excites Scott, is the official chair from night one of this year's WrestleMania. It's the one with the cartoon of Austin stunning Kevin Owens. The winner will get it shipped free to them anywhere in the continental United States. All you have to do to claim one of these PO apps is to send an email to FikingMediaPoApp at gmail.com with the secret word backlash. In the subject line, you will get a link and instructions on how to mint the PO app. And I got to say, Scott, this is a beautiful token that we've got for WrestleMania Backlash. I love the color scheme. It's really nice and a way to remember the show and a way to get a prize possible from Viking Media. Yeah, I, I love the POAPs. I love the, the little tokens that you get for the different shows. And, you know, I, I'm just... I'm just happy that we finally get to be a part of the POAP game and that we finally get to, you know, b- bring our own POAP that's, you know, exclusive to us and not part of a, you know, a special weekend or anything like that. So uh, I'm excited to have our, our own stamp on the Fight Game Media Network now. A lovely stamp it is. And good luck to everyone claiming those tokens as a way to possibly win one of the three items that are are up for grabs heading into Double or Nothing, which is going down in Las Vegas in late May. And we teased on last week's show that we might briefly talk about spring break in from NXT. And we teased that we might not talk about this show anymore if a certain thing happened. And I guess... We got to briefly talk about the show because that thing that we did not want to see happen, in fact, did not happen. You know, sometimes I do think they're listening to the show because I, I, I'm sh- I, I think full and well that Mr. Uh, Mr. Gacy was 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 going to win the title. But they were like, nah, you know, we kind of like the rap. You know, we kind of like listening to Keela and Scott. So we'll, we'll we'll keep it on Braun Breaker for a little bit. But, you know, it was actually a good show. And, uh, yeah, it was, again, an over-delivered show with just 
nonsense mixed in between of just great matches. It's an, another mixed bag for me. Another mixed bag, but at least they did the right thing in the main event. So we can at least talk about them for another week. Yes, Von Berke is still NXT champion, thankfully, even though the match against Joe Gacy was just all right. But this feud is not over as we got Druids on the scene and Breaker was attacked. Not on the show. We got the Nitro finish of Braun Breaker getting beat up via a digital exclusive from WWE.com. Come on, man! What? <laughs> I like what? What? You you take you take a, a nice a nice step forward. You know, you do the right thing. You put Braun Breaker over. You you, I, you at least I thought you were ending the feud, and then you you keep going. What's what's up with the what's up with the Druids? You know, like are are they are they on paper appearance? Like what's how what's Joe Gacy doing to get these guys showing up? What's the contract situation he's got with them? Are they exclusive to him? Can other people borrow him for other segments? Like can can Grayson Waller just start showing up with some druids all around him when he you know when he comes to the ring too? Like what's what's going on with that? What's 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 the deal? I, I have no idea. Um, and why are they be why are they able to beat up Braun Breaker? But I bet you if it was eight security guards, Braun Breaker would be suplexing them and tossing them around but because they're druids he can't do nothing but just be put into the fetal position this is ridiculous yes. this is ridiculous this is what this is ridiculous I, oh man <laughs> they, I like, apologize for firing you up it's a mixed bag I, I'm in a mixed bag man that's that's the nicest thing I can say about NXT 2.0 because there were some really good matches but then there's just tomfoolery like that yes I guess the druids on a 10 day contract <laughs> And it gets renewed every 10 days to check their progress like an NBA free agent. Like, okay, you're in a 10, a 10 day deal. You did good. Let's up, up for 30 days. Hey, let's go for the full year now and see what you can do. And maybe perhaps Scott, a Druid will main event WrestleMania someday. And, and you know what, to that, to that point about the 10 day contracts that they potentially could be handing out, um, I think it is worthy of taking a note and I'm going to start looking at the size of some of the Druids. You know, maybe we're getting different ones every week. Maybe those 10 day contracts are weak contracts and they're running out and we're getting, we're, maybe we'll see which ones are sticking around. So, you know what? I think you're on something with these uh, renewed weekly contract situations. I, I, I'm going to find out exactly which ones. Maybe that's where Von Wagner goes when he's not on TV, you know? And, and, and man, what great use of Von Wagner. Oh my goodness. I think he would be the most noticeable druid of all. The one that doesn't, the one that can't emote with or without a mask. He would, he would be the one that you're like, what's he doing? What's that one doing? Why is he over there? He he looks weird. What's he doing? Must be Vaughn. He has no charisma back there. Nope. Mask or no mask. I can tell who it is. Oh man! Well, at least Vaughn can can wrestle a little bit. You know, I, we don't even know if these druids can can run. Can they run? Can we even get them to run to the ring? Like, what if what if something happened? What if they need to go get to Joe Gacy because he don't have Harlan anymore? So, what if somebody needs to get to him? They can't run to him. But this is this is so dumb. I I, I hate this. Why 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 couldn't just this just be the end of the feud and we move on to Braun versus literally anybody? 
Indeed, but we're stuck, unfortunately, and we got to talk about it every single week on The Wrap. But thankfully, we have some nice moments, which we'll talk about on next week's show as we segue to WrestleMania Backlash going down live from the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. The Dunk, as they call it, and maybe just call it Dunkin' since the Donuts has been eliminated from the franchise for the last couple of years now. And this is basically WrestleMania Rewind, replaying a lot of matches from this past month's WrestleMania. And all in all, I thought this was a pretty solid show by WWE standards going in I was not impressed with the card but as always when it comes to WWE having very tepid expectations they over delivered when it counted most I think the thing for me was you knew what to expect with at least two of the matches like you knew Cody versus Seth was going to be really good to great and you knew the six man was going to be really good to great. Like I, I think those were all fully expected to, you know, be top notch matches. But it was kind of the matches in between, and you know what happened in between that kind of either really you know elevated it, lowered it, or just kind of middle grounded because I, I think you are we already kind of knew what to expect from the top two. But I think some of the middle matches uh, and what happened in between them, I think those is kind of are going to be what elevates this this show in the eyes of some. Yes, I will say that the show is bookended by two great matches. The middle was hit and miss, but overall, I thought this show delivered. But here's hoping this is the last time that WWE limps their way through another pay-per-view outside of WrestleMania. You got to build up your stadium shows now, and hopefully they are better, better prepared for Hell in a Cell going down next month in Chicago. As we kick things off the rematch from WrestleMania 38, featuring the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes versus Seth freaking Rollins, and the first thing that stood out to me was Seth's entrance and he wore the exact same thing he wore to WrestleMania as a way to say history will not repeat itself. I thought that was a lovely psychological touch to say I would not get beat in the same outfit twice, but how wrong he was, Scott, how wrong he was. You know, one thing I really liked about this match and that Keela, that's a, a great point that you bring up about um, kind of the, the mind games. And it that fits Seth Rollins' character really well. Um, and I think it played into the match, just the entire thing, because the, the whole beginning of the match was all about Rollins knowing what to expect now, you know, being ready for all the moves. I mean, the, the opening thing, like in the first, I think it was two, three minutes, Cody Rose drops to the mat and goes for his, you know, his patented punch from the ground and, and Rollins catches it like that's just a an early precursor to it and i didn't notice it until you had i think you posted it on twitter uh when you mentioned it uh, it's either twitter or facebook one of the things was twitter um and i saw that and i was like man that's a that's a great call because it plays right into the character into the story into kind of the this is the kind of the most sports feel out of anything on the show like this feels like a, a competition of man i i'm i gotta prove i'm better than you i i have to get my win back because i have to prove i'm better than you so that, that's a great call and it plays right into the beginning of the match Yes, and as you mentioned about the sporting analogy, the fact that Seth treated the first half of this match like a scouting report. Oh no, I know what you did to me at WrestleMania. I'm not going to let you do it to me again. He blocked everything that Cody tried at WrestleMania in this match, and I loved it. And Cody had no answers for Seth's initial counters. And things picked up nicely when Cody did go for the disaster kick for a near fall, going for the cutter that was initially blocked by Seth as well. And the action spills to the outside, and Seth is dominating the offense. And Cody fights back after 
after a really fun shop and strike exchange in the middle of the ring. Hissy Cody Cutter eventually for a very close nail fall. And this match turned up a notch via the counters and the near falls. And both guys taking flight with frog splashes and phoenix splashes not landing. And we got Cody going for a moonsault that doesn't land. And we got Seth hitting a pedigree and Cody teasing one of the fans jumping on their feet looking for that pedigree spot they've been clamoring for dating back to his days in AEW that did not happen the buckle bomb into the superplex that Cody reverses into a falcon arrow that wasn't meant to be he flips it into a crossroads and Seth trying to counter all the crossroads attempts was fantastic and I just love the back and forth the teasing of Cody's old finisher that was going to fucking break Seth's back, possibly. And he tried to pull it off. The fans going crazy. Cody is going for. We got Corey Graves going nuts on commentary. But the closing sequence of this match was fantastic. When Seth tried to cheat via a roll up by grabbing the tights and Cody says, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to play that either. I'm going to grab your tights for the win. And he got the victory over Seth Rollins again. He cheated. He was proud of it. And Seth was pissed off trying to debate with the referee. Hey, this guy cheated, but you tried to do it first, sir. And it did not work from the callback to WrestleMania of Seth doing Dusty's Dusty's moves to Cody that pissed off Cody even more just the callbacks to what they did at WrestleMania and adding new layers to this match made this such a treat to watch and this match was much better than the one they had at WrestleMania because it was not as messy and sloppy the missed time spots were cleaned up and I just like how they delivered a completely different match with callbacks to what they did last month but it was so smooth so creative and both guys just clicking the ring in the best possible way and I am not opposed to one more match inside Hell in a Cell because I know they're going to deliver and Cody's dream of bleeding in a WWE ring will come true he'll jump off the cell they'll do crazy shit and that'll be the nice finale to this feud and the best part is Cody will win every single match which will calm people down thinking he was going to get 50-50'd his first month in WWE that did not happen the roll up happens because it leads to Seth being more angry heading into their final matchup Hell in a Cell which would be very fitting in Chicago I think the the thing that really stood out for me watching this match and um, Cody's just improved so much from his first run with the company inside the ring. Just his his move set is completely different. It's it's so it's so varied. He's got a nice mix of the high flying with the suplexes. It's um, like that stalling delayed superplex that he hit on Seth Rollins was a thing of beauty. I mean, it was at, at the core strength and he held him there for a second before he dropped him. Just beautiful right there. He's, he didn't have a match this quality. Uh, well, the only one I can think of is with Rollins is when he tagged with Dustin Rhodes against him and Roman Reigns for their careers um, with uh, Dusty in the corner. So that's that's the only one I can think of that's even close to this caliber with that this type of crowd i mean and the crowd was everything for this match don't ever let anyone tell you that a crowd doesn't add to or take away from a match because they more than amplified this match i mean they they added to the near falls that you talked about um the pedigree spot let me tell you cody rhodes is going to hit the pedigree one day and people are going to go nuts. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't even know if it's going to cause the pinfall. 
but he's going to hit that pedigree because he's teasing it quite a lot. And maybe it is just a mess with Seth Rollins, but I think it's something he should keep kind of toying with because I, I think the idea that you know he he comes back and he's going to hit that move of all things. I I like that, and I've always been kind of the person that you that thinks like, where's the character who's like, you know what? I beat this guy. Let me take this move from him. Let me let me start using one of his moves into my repertoire. Is there a wrestler like that that when he beats a big name, he's like, I'm taking that move because I think the pedigree would be a nice nice little addition to your to your move set as far as Cody Rose go at least teasing it into a big match when you could pull it off um that's that's a complete you know off the you know that's a, just a, a tangent on the side just because I, I I love little things like that you know you beat somebody you take a little bit of them maybe that's a the me growing up on Mega Man you know when you when you play Mega Man when you beat one of the bosses you take their power and stuff so I don't know. I think that would be a cool little wrinkle to add, but this match was fantastic. Great way to start the show. The crowd was everything with it. Um, I, there was absolutely nothing they could put on to follow this. Um, what a match. If I mean, I, I honestly thought they could have main evented with this. Uh, it was that good. Yes, this was a hell of a way to start the show. And I'm like, who's going to top that? And nobody topped it for at least two matches. As we segue to Omos versus Bobby Lashley, a super heavyweight match of the ages that Scott was clamoring to discuss in its totality, a match that really changed his perspective on the business. And I just want to hear his thoughts on how this match changed his life. So I want to I want to I want to break a little kayfabe here, um, you know, a little behind the scenes action of the rap, you know. Um, so when we when we when we you know, when we when we chop it up before the show goes on and we're like, you know, figuring out how we're going to do things. And, you know, we see like who's going to talk kind of about which lead, which match and stuff. You know, we do our first round picks and my second round pick was Omos and Bobby Lashley. And I was quick with it. No questions about it. And Keela, Keela was kind of like, OK, you, you can have Bobby and Omos. You, you can have him. I'm not going to take him. So uh, that's why she's real excited for this answer, because let me tell you. This was literally Brett Austin um, with uh, for the culture. Let me put it that way. This was, this was, <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. No, no, I can't, I can't even say it with a straight face. Man, why, why did they have to put this on the show? Why couldn't they just save this for Raw, man? So y'all, y'all telling me that the reparations I get from WWE on WrestleMania Backlash isn't, isn't Bianca Belair. You know, getting a big a big win uh, on pay per view or you know the premium live event. It's not Bianca Belair when you got opponents. You know, you could have had the Sonya Deville match here. Um, you know, you could have you could have just had her beat uh, Zelina and Carmella in a handicap match. Why the hell not? But nah, let's have Omos and Bobby Lashley go out here and try to have a, a, a wrestling a rematch. And it's just like. These are the matches you put on Raw. And that's not me knocking the match because I actually thought the match was better than the WrestleMania match. I thought it told a little bit of a better story. Omos looked a little better in the... He looked better in the match. But 
this is a raw match. This is a prime example of a a solid raw match, which I think would have been fine on TV. Like this had no business being on the show. I get you're trying to get Omos over. If that's the case, then you let him just mow somebody down. But and then you do the 50-50 booking. Why even have Bobby Lashley beat Omos? Just have Omos beat him twice then. Like just just have these guys decisively beat them and move on. Bobby Lashley should have moved on. He should be getting ready to face Roman Reigns to keep him occupied while you keep Drew McIntyre away from Roman until we get to the UK. Like this should be simple. Like this should be just connecting the dots. You you know, you you shouldn't have to draw the map. You just have to draw to the destination. You know, you just have to draw the line, put the thumbnail. It, it's like they're they're trying to draw the map as they're putting the thumbnail, and then they like they forget where they put the thumbnail, so they draw the line in a different direction, and they they, they get completely lost. It's 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 I have no idea what the mindset is when you you have other options instead of doing rematches. This is the reason that people are like, why watch this when I'm sure I'm sure they're going to have another match. Almost guarantee there's going to be a third match on Raw. Why? It, this is what I mean. Like, unnecessary stuff like this. This would have been a great opportunity to put it on Raw. I could have had Bianca Belair, you know. But then again, who am I to complain when I'm getting reparations, right? We have exceeded our limit for reparations this year. <laughs> We got them twice with Naomi and Bianca Belair in a span of two months. So we have tapped out on reparations, unfortunately. And this match should have been on Monday Night Raw because it just didn't fit on this card. And what's crazy is we've seen Bobby Lashley beat Omos at WrestleMania. He speared him. He pinned him. It was a great victory for Bobby. And once again, Bobby had to do all the work in this match to try to make Omos look good. Omos is not completely terrible, but he's not very good. He can do the spots he's supposed to do decently enough, but he is never going to be that workhorse, that force in the ring that you can say, damn, Omos did that. Yeah, he can drop somebody with a tree slam. Yeah, he can big boot somebody. That's about it. But I just thought that Bobby Lashley did not need to eat this loss thanks to MVP hitting him with the cane and messing up the finish. I'm just not here for it. We saw him beat the man at WrestleMania. Why go 50-50 with the booking? Bobby Lashley needs to be in position to face Roman Reigns between now and perfectly money in the bank. He needs to be one of the first challengers giving Roman Reigns a run for his money. In a perfect world, we would reconstitute the Hurt Business and it would be the Hurt Business versus the Bloodline. But we're not going to get that. So instead, we get Bobby Lashley trading wins and losses against Omos. And I know the WWE wants Omos to be a giant, but he is a giant. I am with limitations and it's not 30 years ago. The land of the giants is not going to fly today. Work rate matters. And yes, you can do a spot or two. Yes, your power is nice, but this is not going to be a guy that's going to headline pay-per-views. He's not going to be a guy. I want the championship around in any capacity. He is an attraction. He can give you moments here and there, but he should not be your primary focus in the heavyweight division. That should go to Bobby Lashley. 
even though he won't win the championship for Roman Reigns most likely, but build him up to have the credibility to go up against him when it counts most at Money in the Bank, maybe at SummerSlam, but to have him toll around in a feud that's not going to be good for him despite the wins in the end, it just doesn't work for me. And the, and the match last night was a prime example of that. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Like Bobby Lashley, he like this is this is where WWE I think is really kind of dropping the ball the most. Just in top to bottom all all divisions, all all categories is having the next man or woman up ready. Just having somebody ready to go, having somebody that you've built up with wins, credibility, ready to go, ready to put into a main event, ready to put into a title picture. They they don't do a good job of keeping somebody ready. You know, like so, you know, when Bobby Lashley goes after Roman, it's like, yeah, he just but he just lost to Omos. You know what I mean? Like when cuz it's going to happen. He's going to get that match. It's it's just one of those things they don't do a good job of keeping guys ready. There's no reason for them to even have this second match. That's how you keep Bobby Lashley ready. He had a big win over Omos. He should have been the one getting the video package. Like, You had 80,000 video packages on here. You could have did that for Bobby Lashley, and we could get somebody else on the show. It's just, just you know, some of the decisions they make don't make sense, man. It just doesn't make sense. It's very frustrating as a viewer, and Bobby will get his win back, but who cares when it's 50-50 booking at the end of the day? As we segue to our third match on the card, which is another rematch from WrestleMania, the third rematch on the card in a row, and it's the first of one more. Well, it's the third of one more, I should say, as it's Edge versus AJ Styles, and... You know, Edge talked a big game a couple of weeks ago. He sat on his big ass throne and said, I know you're talking about me and my lighting and you're talking about the big words I'm using. Fuck you, fans. I'm going to do what I want to do. I noticed that on Monday, the throne was gone and the lighting was not as obnoxious as it was before. So apparently you've listened a little bit, Edge. You've kind of toned down on the vampirism. So you're welcome. Thank you for tuning into the rap and listening to my advice and realizing that you were doing a little bit too much and you're trying to edit and refrain from the goofiness. And I thank you for that. And I will say that the new music by Alter Bridge is everything. Alter Bridge stays with the check in WWE. The royalties will flow in forever, and I'm thankful for that. But as we'll get to eventually, I do think this match for the second pay-per-view in a row was very underwhelming. You know, I I was actually the opposite. I enjoyed this match a lot more than I did the WrestleMania match. I thought the pacing was a little bit better. At least the beginning is kind of what got me. Like AJ Styles came out with a little bit more energy and fire than he normally had. The big moonsault to the outside. I thought the pacing was a little bit better. They didn't go 30 minutes like they did at WrestleMania, so that always helps. Um, but the the match was good. You know, I I thought the match was solid, but. To your point about the underwhelming thing, these are two of the all-time greats. Like these are two guys who we count on to put on four-star, you know, four to you know, all-time great matches. And you know, you put them together, and we, we're not getting it. And it's like, what, what's what's missing? And I know sometimes guys just, and they're not putting on bad matches, but they're like you said, it's just an underwhelming match. And I think part of that could be the story. I, I think. And a babyface Edge versus a heel AJ probably would have worked a lot better because Edge could have 
created that movement a little bit better as the you know the the baby face and I don't know if AJ's I don't know man AJ seems to be slowing down a little bit and he's not putting on bad matches but he's not putting on those same matches he was at the beginning of this AJ run like when he had against Roman Reigns even against Chris Jericho uh so I, I you know I don't know if maybe the expectations are too high for these guys or if they just don't click as far as in the ring. But the match itself, I thought, was solid. The after result, Rhea Ripley has very distinguishable pants, her pockets on the front. (laughs) Hey, I I said it in the the Facebook group. I was like, those are Rhea's pants. I mean, she, you know who Rhea Ripley is, man. Like, it is what it is. You know what Rhea looks like. And Lord behold, that was Rhea Ripley, the beast that she is, the beautiful beast that she is, Rhea Ripley. And she looks ready to destroy. And I think this partnership with Edge is going to work. I mean, it's all about the crowd reaction. That's it's so important for a group, for a faction, for anything. Uh, and by the way, Damian Priest just got knocked out and decided not to get up and join his group for the for the group picture at the end. Like, what's, <laughs> what, what? What? Nobody wanted to go and help Damian because if I'm Damian Priest, I'm like, so let me get this right, Edge. You just been using me to get the girl. That's that's how I'm taking this. You've been using me to get the girl. So now you got the girl and I'm just laying out here on the outside. Like AJ can be beating me up and y'all in there taking a taking a prom photo together. Like this is absolutely ridiculous. Like, no, it's not ridiculous. It's fine. But it's like, what happened to Damian Priest? These these are the little things that they do that's like why? Why could you just have Damian Priest get up? Like, why Damian? If I'm Damian Priest, I'm like, why wouldn't I just get up? I'm getting up and getting in the group photo. I, I, you're not taking a picture without me. I'm part of this group. You're not just going to take a picture without me. They're they're all posed and everybody's happy. You get the lighting, but I'm laying out on the ground. No, come on, Damian, do better for yourself. Stand up, literally stand up. Get in the ring and, and and be a part of the photo, baby. Be a part of the group, okay? Stop being a loner. Get his photo op on. Come basically, on now. is what you're right. saying. Now, now, granted, Finn did beat his ass prior to the finish of this match, so maybe Finn tagged him. Says, "Oh no, no group picture for you tonight. You get this. You get the snips and the snaps on Monday, okay? Maybe that was Finn's thought process. No group photo for you." We're not going to be collaborating on group pictures tonight. So that might have been the reasoning behind Damian Priest not being a part of this beautiful Kodak moment and possibly shaking it like a Polaroid picture. But I digress (laughs) on all of that. Okay, now for the match itself, I agree with you. There's something up with the chemistry and it might be a case of be careful what you wish for, because dating back to the Warrior Rumble two years ago, it was the moment that AJ took the spear from Edge and he separated his shoulder by accident because he wanted to sell for Edge upon his return to WWE. And fans thought, well, this could be a dream match down the road. I'm sure both men thought the same thing. But for whatever reason, they haven't clicked in the ring. Could it be due to age from both men? I don't know. Could it be due to Edge being miscast as a heel and he's supposed to be a babyface? Maybe it's due to AJ being better off as a heel. Maybe it's due to the entire storytelling leading up to WrestleMania. I simply do not know. But this does remind me of another dream match scenario from about five years ago. It was AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens feuding over 
the United States Championship. And you would think these two guys would work great together. And in actuality, they did not. They had really subpar matches that sucked due to really bad booking. And it took a cameo appearance from Chris Jericho to make their match triple threat on a SmackDown on a Tuesday night to really bring life to their rivalry. And that's really saying something. So maybe it's a case of AJ does not clicking with Edge in terms of that chemistry that is highly coveted. Things you see with Cody Rhodes and, and Seth Rollins, for example, you don't see that as reflective via this matchup. And I even go back to WrestleMania three years ago with AJ Styles and Randy Orton. They had a great rivalry talking about who really ran SmackDown, who really pays a rent around here, who really owns the house. And their match at WrestleMania was marred by bad lighting from the stadium, but the match itself was good. So it just really comes down to a couple of factors that I really can't really get down on. Is it chemistry? Is it the age of both men at this point? Is it the work rate slowing down a bit? Or is it the or is it the alignment of the heel face dynamic that's not working for either man at this point? Well, I will say this. I do think the impending tag team match that we will get of Edge and Damian Priest versus Finn Balor and AJ Styles, I think that would be a good match. And I think that should have been the match right here. And we could have still gotten the exact same result. You know, I, there's again, why does AJ need to take two straight losses, singles losses? You know, you, you it's not like you have a host of credible baby faces you know, ready to go. So why does he need to take two losses like that when you can do a tag team match and get the same result instead of doing a a raw run in like this? That's this is a raw match. That's a raw match to have Finn Balor run it or Damian Priest to come in. Finn Balor runs it. That's that's what you do on Raw. This that's what you do when you have this match on Raw. This is a this is a great Raw main event. I think a solid Raw main event. AJ versus Edge. You know, it's something you could promote and everything. But the the impending tag match, with the, which is what this should have been, um, I think that's going to be good. And I, I think that's that's where this feud can really build to because I, I think we're eventually going to get the ladies. And I would personally, I don't know if they'll do it. I'd love to get a, a, an intergender six-person tag, you know. Rhea, Damian, and Edge versus, uh, you know, I've already mentioned that Asuka, Finn Balor, and AJ Styles. And I, I think it's a good way to keep Asuka away from Bianca because I think that's also a, a big-time matchup for Bianca. I think that's a big-time win for her to get over Asuka. But it's also a good way for Rhea and for Rhea to get some good work with Asuka to really get the show out there. You can still protect... Rhea and her not take any loss, you know, and you can have Damien, he's right there, he can take a loss, then Balor's right there to take a loss, Edge and AJ don't have to take any losses, like, you have options, man, and it's it's like they're just, they're not thinking things through, they're just doing things and reacting to that, and it's it's just really, everything just kind of feels backwards as far as what's happening and kind of what they could be doing to get to the same result. Yeah, and ironically enough, I think the six-person tag is going to be better than the singles matches we've been getting so far. And I will tweak it a little bit because I think the Liv is still beefing with Rhea, so she might be in that spot temporarily alongside Finn and AJ Styles, and that could be fun as well. So I do love the dueling factions going at it, and maybe we will get the Balor Club that's a tribute to the Bullet Club from back in the New Japan days. That would be nice to see it fully realized in WWE because for so long, Finn was basically a club of one and no offense to Finn Balor that club sucked 
And you know, to that, with the, as far as the faction goes, it I, the Liv Morgan thing could work because you need this, you need the heel group to go over pretty strong, and eventually, I'm, I'm assuming again, this is maybe me giving them too much credit. They're going to build to at SummerSlam a Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair title match, which means you're going to have Edge and Damian Priest, which could work perfectly because you could have the Street Profits, which would be a really good tag team for Edge and Damian Priest to get some good matches out because Montez Ford and, and Angelo can create that movement that they need to really work with. So I, 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 I really hope this is something that they're going to dive into more and lean into more. And I do hope that this is really building towards Rhea and Bianca at SummerSlam because I, I have to assume that Rhea joining this group is going to lead on an upward trajectory and she's not just going to be, you know, the muscle to this group. I, I, I can't imagine that's what they're doing. So SummerSlam seems like a nice uh, time frame. And I, I think that's a, a good tag team for Edge and I'm not calling them Judgment Day, Edge and Damian Priest to get a good win over a strong tag team. Yes, and I love the idea of the Prophets and Edge and Damian Priest. Maybe throw in Bianca Bella and Rhea Ripley for another six-person tag team match. So you go. we're getting like mixed trios matches in WWE, and I'm not mad at it. I dig the idea, and that is the one way I can accept this faction. If you just give us great match combinations, and at this point, maybe Edge is better suited off as a tag team with Damian Priest at this point. I don't want to go based on the work against AJ Styles because it might be a chemistry thing, but I'm going to laugh out loud if the six-person tags are better than every single match he's had with AJ from WrestleMania to WrestleMania Backlash. But we'll see as these factions heat up on Monday Night Raw in the months to come, we hope, because knowing WWE, we can have all these hopes and dreams and they can be dashed. WWE going WWE. Absolutely. So let's put the fantasy booking aside. Let's table it for right now. If it happens, we'll bring it back as I predicted Drew Gulak versus Gunther on SmackDown. So I do speak some things into existence sometimes. Now, I didn't say it was going to be a five star classic. I never said that. It happened. It was a one sided ass whooping in Gunther's favor, but I was right. And now, as Scott was all in on Omos versus Bobby Lashley. <laughs> and I'm going to state for the record, when he said with almost a straight face that this was the Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin match of our generation, my face for the was... Culture. For the culture, by the way. <laughs> I, I almost excommunicated Scott from this show because I thought that was a bridge too far. I thought he took it to the limit, but he pulled it back in by keeping it real, saying, you know what? This wasn't very good. And thank God he said that. And now it's my turn to be punished. But I'm happy to say that Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey in an I quit match for the SmackDown Women's Championship was actually pretty good. Good. And I have been on Rhonda's ass for months now because she has been delivering very dry promos that have left me very unexcited for her matches heading into WrestleMania and WrestleMania Backlash. For the first time in a while, she brought the fire last night against Charlotte Flair. I enjoyed it. I love the scrap, the fight they had in the ring, the knees that Rhonda delivered to Charlotte are pretty good. Charlotte damn near killed her with a German suplex, which is pretty gnarly. 
silly and nasty. Then we get some kendo stick action from both ladies as Charlotte Flair runs away and grabs two kendo sticks backstage. Very strategic how they were placed back there in gorilla position. And Ronda Rousey is able to get those two kendo sticks and go Star Wars lightsaber style get to swinging on those kendo sticks and she whoops up on charlotte flair and it's a great visual from there they brawl through the crowd there's somebody wearing a hook t-shirt by the way i noticed that in the crowd last night as they fought up the stairs and ronda rousey was getting choked out against the railing by charlotte flair and every time that the referee asked ronda to say if she quits she refuses and they fight back to the ring when charlotte goes after Ronda Rousey with a steel chair and vice versa. And this leads to the spot of Charlotte Flair going for the moonsault on Ronda Rousey. But Ronda blocks and locks in an armbar in a tree of woe. And Charlotte, ref- and Charlotte Flair refuses to submit. At one point, we also have Charlotte Flair locking in the figure eight on Ronda Rousey. And she refuses to submit. And then Charlotte Flair gets a little bit too cocky when she grabs a steel chair. And she is going to wish Ronda Rousey a happy mother day her last chance to get out of this and Rhonda flips and she twists Charlotte Flair into an armbar through the chair and she says I've been waiting for you to say that bitch and she cranks it in and Charlotte Flair has no choice but to say I quit as Ronda Rousey is the new Smackdown Women's Champion and the crowd does go crazy for the finish they wanted tables at some point they didn't get it but thankfully they didn't turn on the match because they did not get what they want which was never promised to them to begin with but all in all I thought this was easily Ronda's best, best match since her return to WWE back in January. And this gave me some Survivor Series vibes, some Survivor Series, some, some, excuse me, some Survivor Series vibes from 2018. It wasn't as emotionally driven as this match was, but all in all, I thought this was a well-worked match featuring both ladies putting in that work. And I'm only concerned about Ronda Rousey cutting really generic promos as SmackDown Women's Champion. She needs to be present in the moment as champion. Maybe having a belt will help her facilitate that a bit more via her promo. She's got to deliver and the feuds must be backed up as well regarding her opponents, whoever they may be. We've talked about Bailey being a possible option. I hope that's the case because she would bring out something in Ronda Rousey, but that's going to be key moving forward. The opponents and Ronda's dedication on the mic to really connect with the people. She can do so in the match like this, but can you do so on a regular on SmackDown speaking from the heart and not being monotone as if you're talking to the mirror? And that's never a good thing. Well, I, I think it's even more so like, can you do it when you're not working with a top class worker like Charlotte Flair? We can say what we want about Charlotte Flair, and I know she's got a lot of detractors, but Charlotte Flair is a top notch worker, man. It's like she she is one of the best in the game, and I don't think there's any question about that. And she brings the best out of people. Like she's given a lot of people some of their best matches, some of Sasha's best matches, Bailey's best matches, Oscar. I think one of Asuka's best matches she's ever had was her first match against Ron, uh, Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania, even though she lost. I, I, I think Charlotte Flair is just a top-notch worker who, because she gets shoved down people's throats, doesn't quite get the respect that she probably deserves as a worker, man. She's really good. And she when she wants to lay stuff in and she wants like she wants people to lay it in on her, she's gonna make sure you feel it. And there were times when she's really laying it in to, to Rhonda. And Rhonda's like, yo, I gotta give it back. Like this match was physical. This felt like a fight. You know, this 
this felt a little personal. And this this is good. This is kind of what Ronda needs. But can Ronda do that with a Na- like? Can Ronda do that with a Naomi? And that's not me knocking Naomi. But can she do that? Could she do that with a Liv Morgan? You know what I mean? Like, is she going to be able to do that? I'm trying to think of other women on SmackDown, and I all I can think of is Naomi and Sasha. Um, but like. Bailey, can she do that with Bailey? Because Bailey's a different type of a like Charlotte's a, a super aggressive woman. That's how she carries herself in the ring. You know, she's she's coming at you full. That's not kind of how Bailey is. Bailey's a little bit more strategic. Bailey's a little bit more. I'm gonna get you here. Let me attack you here. It's a different game plan. Is Ronda gonna be able to adapt? And like you said, I have zero faith in her on the mic. So I I don't think that's happening because she's she is who she is. You know, we talk about WWE going WWE. Ronda going Ronda. Ronda knows she's like, they ain't going to fire me. I'm, I can do whatever I want on this mic. So I, she's not good. That's not going to work for her. But in the ring, that's that's where she can do it. And she showed it here. But can she do this in a regular match? Like, that's, that's going to be the big question going forward. And I don't know, you know. Charlotte Flair, Charlotte Flair is going to, she should get a lot of credit for what she was able to pull out of Ronda tonight. And I don't know if a lot of other women are going to be able to do that. Yeah, that's a big question mark. But you know what? I got to give somebody credit from three or four years ago now. Nia Jax. Her and Ronda Rousey had some surprisingly good matches. So it can be done. And dare I say, Ronda carried her to two of her finest matches in WWE. It can be done, but it really depends on Ronda's motivation to do so. Is she going to be present in the moment? Will she care enough? Because I know she feels some kind of way about the fan pushback about three years ago. I get it. But fans are fickle to quote, Brian Danielson shit happens and we move on. Nobody was going to boo you at the Royal Rumble. Nobody was going to boo you at WrestleMania against Charlotte Flair if you did the work and you gave a shit. And there's hoping that you give a shit now and realize that people do like you. There is a fan base out there that does want to rock with you if you put in the work and you give a damn. And there's hoping that happens on SmackDown. The talent is there. We'll see how it goes. But Charlotte Flair does deserve her flowers because she definitely delivered last night and made Ronda rise to the occasion, which they really weren't able to do beforehand. And it should be noted that Charlotte Flair and Kay Favis suffered a broken radius. But thankfully, Dr. Pat McAfee breaks it down and says, y'all, it's a broken arm. <laughs> That's great, man. Like, <laughs> Pat, 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 Pat is fantastic. Uh, I do want to t- touch on one more thing about the Ronda Rousey. I, like, there's only really two matches I want to see out of Ronda Rousey going forward. I would need to see her versus Asuka at some point. And I'm hoping I still get this. I'm hoping I get to see her versus Bianca Belair, which I'm expecting to see at Survivor Series. But those are kind of the two matches, and they're both on Raw. Like, who even on SmackDown is an interesting matchup for Ronda Rousey? We know Sasha and Naomi aren't going to do it because they got the tag titles. Bailey's good, but you, I'm guessing you got to save her for SummerSlam. What do you do with Ronda? You, who do you who do you go to after Charlotte after beating Charlotte Flair in an I Quit match? How do you follow that up? That is a good question. You know Where what I mean? Where do we go like, from here? From Charlotte Where do we Flair? go from here? <laughs> Lacey Evans. <sighs> and I have thoughts on that after Friday. She's telling me to stand up, show respect. Girl, really? <laughs> hey, you know, 
we can't we 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 got our reparations early we can't get everything no i feel like we're getting you know deducted a little bit now oh that's the tax deductions are kicking in the irs says wait a minute we overpaid these reparations mm-hmm. to y'all and we got lacy in place and she's telling me to stand up and show the proper respect like what I was with Lacey too. I was really kind of feeling her 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 promos and stuff that she was cutting, and then she just started. Never mind, it's fine. But yeah, it, you know, it's, it's never mind. It's fine. You know, do do your thing, girl. But yeah, it's like I, I, I guess for me, like I, I just I'm trying to figure out like where where do you go from you know because Charlotte is who she is in WWE, but where do you go from beating her in an I Quit match? Like, where do you go from there? Like, that's that's just such a tough follow-up feud if it's not Bailey, You know what I mean? Like, that's a tough follow-up. That is true, and we'll see how it goes. And it's really going to be dependent on the follow-up by WWE and how Ronda delivers in the ring and on the mic moving forward without Charlotte Flair being there because she is going to be getting married very soon to Andrade. So congrats to them. And we're going to miss Charlotte, but hopefully she'll be back just in time for stadium season for Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, and eventually the show in Cardiff Wales as well. As we move on to our semi-main event, a SmackDown special, if there ever was one, Happy Corbin versus Matt Cat Moss. So Scott, how can I phrase this here? How can we go here with this analysis of this match? Here we go. It happened. Mm-hmm. It was a moment in time. There we go. Corbin dominated half of the match. Matt Cap in his short shorts came through with speed, agility, leapfrogs. He had several near falls on Happy Corbin, and he eventually scored the win with a sunset flip after kicking out of the deep six, a sunset flip in 2022 wins a match in WWE. Now I'm going to say things about Madcap Hatter Uh-oh. Moss that it's not rude necessarily, but I'm going to be fair. I have championed the potential of Madcap Moss. I truly have. I see the vision of him being a star. He does have charisma. He has a great look. Dare I say he looks good in anything. Short, short suspenders, a jumpsuit. He looks good in almost anything. I would take him to Red Lobster, to quote Beyonce. I would. <laughs> I would. <laughs> yeah, you're going to take him to Red Lobster and Baron Corbin is going to be right, waiting right there for you. So did you guys want cheddar biscuits this evening? <laughs> <laughs> perfect perfect analogy for this match because you got the right guy who's going to be waiting on you <laughs> sorry about that didn't mean to break you <laughs> as far as the match goes i thought it was uh, i thought this was uh really bad too i i'm absolutely with you and i can't wait to hear what type of shade you got for uh the mad hatter himself oh my god <laughs> I had to get you back because you've gotten me a few times in the last couple weeks. So uh, this this one was coming. This one was coming. I had to get you back. And I'm not tipping Corbin shit, by the way. <laughs> I want those extra cheddar biscuits. I do. I know that's right. I want go. snow crabs to go. Some snow crabs as well. Um. <laughs> I'm still recovering from that, but it's true. And I would like some hot sauce on the side as well. Just want to add to the complete aesthetic of having Matt Cap and myself at Red Lobster. 
with Corbin as our waiter, as he should be the waiter. And let's get to happy Corbin, shall we? So he's dressed as if he's getting ready to go to Nassau in the Bahamas. Um, Prepare to go on the 2023 Jericho cruise, apparently. He was in fine attire. I'm just over him right now. Like, what is up with this gear? Now, he went from Red Lobster to Cheesecake Factory to Applebee's to now what? Serving the love boat. Really? (laughs) This is how far it's gone. Serving Carnival and the Royal Caribbean. I just don't get the aesthetic anymore. And Matt Cap has got something, but I just need him in some traditional gear and to drop the happy shit that he's trying to make people laugh and try to make jokes. And granted, I did laugh at a couple of jokes on SmackDown, calling Happy Corbin a bald-headed pit bull lookalike. That popped me. It really did. And then he talked about the people that were charitable to Happy Corbin by allowing him to be used as a canvas to really draw ugly tattoos on his body. I thought that was kind of clever. Otherwise, I need him to be more serious in the ring. And the only way you can do that is to strip away all of this corny shit. This is not going to be a main event star if you don't retool who he can be. We can see it clear as day. He's got the speed. He's got the talent. He's got something. But this presentation is not going to work for me whatsoever. He could be a player at Money in the Bank, but not in this current form. This must be revamped and really revisited heading into the rest of the summer because this isn't it long term. And Happy Corbin, he needs to lose his money as soon as possible. Maybe he could have lost all of his money at the Kentucky Derby and that could explain why he'll be broke again. But that would be too good for WWE at this point. So on... On, I'm, I'm gonna start with uh, with Moss with Mad Hat with the Mad Hatter. I, I kind of like that name right there. Um, he's it's gonna take him one of two things to really get the people behind him and really kind of give him that extra you know push he needs to get going that momentum he needs. One. He's either going he needs to go through a complete makeover and you need to kind of see it through vignettes, you know, over a few weeks, you know, maybe, maybe a hair, you know, maybe a haircut, maybe not, but you know, definitely the ring gear got to go. You know, you have to see him kind of burning the ring gear. Like that's the old me, you know, I'm not doing that no more. I got, I'm working, you know, I'm working on something new. I got something fresh coming, you know, bring some new ring gear, like a brand new, you just got to be a brand new look or this guy has got to come out. The jokes have got to stop. He can keep the same look. I know it, it doesn't look great, but he can make it work. But it's fine because he does have a great look. So he can he can make that kind of corny look work for him. But he's going to have he needs to come out and just cut a promo. I mean, talking about like what his mission statement is and why people should care about him. The only reason he's a babyface is because like is because he started making fun and picking on Baron Corbin because he started picking on a bad guy, you know, on the on the heel instead of a baby face. That's that's really the only reason it happened. And the bad guy got mad and, st- and went to beat him up. That's essentially what happened. He tried to bully the bully and the bully came and beat the kid up. That's essentially what the story was. And we cheered the kid who got beat up. Well, it was that was essentially what happened. So. Now he needs to come out and, and kind of establish himself on his own away from Corbin and make people care about him. What are you doing? Why? You know. All right. So now that you're away from Corbin, are you going to stop with the jokes? Like, because that was the whole thing with that. So that should be done. Right. Like 
you can kind of do it once every now, but that's like that's done, right? So I one of those two things has to happen. Baron Corbin, man, I would let that dude keep losing and send him down a dark path, quote unquote, and bring back the lone wolf gimmick. Like I I think now would be a great time to bring that back. And obviously you would evolve the gimmick. But that this would be a great time to do with Baron Corbin because he's somebody you're not gonna you're not gonna push him to the moon, but he's a great guy to have right below that main event. And him as that lone wolf, I, I think, and just being a serious ass kicker, and what and that's what he can do. Like you get him away from this, you know, him telling the jokes and doing the talk show, and like you said, the 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 beach shirts and stuff. And just let this guy, we've been watching a lot of old NXT shows and just seeing the presentation of this man, of that that main event Corbin that was in NXT. Give me that presentation with this Baron Corbin. This Baron Corbin knows what he's doing. Like he knows what he's doing as far as getting a reaction in the ring. He's much better now than he was back then. He was just presenting himself completely different. So give me that combination right now. And I really think you could have something with Baron Corbin, something useful that people would be like, yeah, okay, I can get behind this Baron Corbin. Not the Red Lobster waiter that you need to ask the biscuits to go from. Well, hopefully we'll get there one day. But right now, it's not happening, unfortunately. And I miss broke-ass Baron Corbin a lot. I miss Lone Wolf Baron Corbin as well. Hell, I might even miss first-year King Corbin. But this Baron Corbin simply doesn't do very much for me. And it's very crazy looking back in time six years ago when Corbin was more over as a Lone Wolf versus now. It's two completely different people. And granted, Corbin has much more personality now. If you just add that Lone Wolf edge... He would be great, but WWE is just stuck in him being a sports entertainer, and that doesn't work for either of us right now. And here's hoping a character change is coming, not only his way, but Matt Caps as well in the months to come. As we segue to the final match on the card, which is a six-man tag team match featuring RK Bro versus the Bloodline. Along, I should say RK Bro and Drew McIntyre versus the Bloodline. And I'm still irritated that the initial match featuring RK Bro versus Usos for the unified tag team titles did not happen. I still feel some kind of way about WWE false advertising for weeks, giving us great tag team matches on Raw and SmackDown, having Riddle beat both Usos in back-to-back weeks for it to mean absolutely nothing last night. It does still leave me a bit sour and sore, but I will say this main event absolutely over-delivered, and this was a PWG match in every sense of the word. It was different. The style was very un-WWE in a lot of ways, and my God, that hot tag Randy Orton got, Mm. it was what this match was built for because that was sensational. Hey, let me tell you something, man. I I am here for all the Randy love. Um, you know, Randy, Randy's somebody that could be a polarizing figure when it comes to the amount of love he gets from people for as far as in ring. But you you were right, Keela. That guy and the hot tag and, and just and credit to the match, the way it was laid out and built for Randy Orton to get that tag and everything that led up to Randy Orton getting the hot tag, including the Claymore kick from Drew McIntyre on the Roman Reigns. Little, little thing, but just going back to even the beginning of the match, 
the entrances and, and the reactions to him, everybody felt like a star that came out in this match. Everybody felt like a big deal. Drew McIntyre felt like a big deal, like he needed to be. Like he felt like somebody who could go toe-to-toe at Roman Reigns. RK-Bro is probably the most overact in the most over babyface act in WWE right now. Um, the bloodline is, you know, when that music hits, there is a there is a loud screeching. There is a loud and vocal uh, group of women that are you can hear screeching when that music hits and Roman Reigns walks out with no shirt on. Like there is there is a loud loud uh, chorus of women that you can hear and you can see the people rise to their feet. And I love watching Roman's entrance just for those visuals because you don't see him on a lot of other people's entrances. And it's there are levels to this, and he is clearly levels above. And I it, I just I enjoy the visual aspect. Like Cody gets that. Cody gets that reaction at the beginning of the show. Roman gets that at the end. Um, I love how Roman kind of, you know, they, they built it up a little bit. He tagged in. He was ready to go in and He's like, nah, y'all think y'all getting me? What do y'all know? Come on, man. Tags out. Love that aspect of it. Main event, Jay, he was fantastic in this match as well. The Usos doing what they do best. Riddle did a great job. Uh, but man, Randy Orton, he was, he had the crowd chanting for him before the match even started. Like, this guy is just, he's on a roll right now. He's... The connection he has with the audience is is special right now. And honestly, I think he's somebody that, you know, from this match, you go, I think you go with him versus Reigns for, you know, a title match before you get to him versus Drew. Just because of the crowd reaction, man. Nobody expects Roman to lose the title anytime soon, but the crowd will be into that match. They'll be with it because it's Randy. I think you have something there. Um the the RKOs from Randy Orton the, the the one he hit on Roman when he went for the Superman punch and he caught him on the way down in the ring that was beautiful Riddle's top rope RKO I love how Riddle's just incorporated so much of Randy into his move set this was just a, a great match this brought back this felt like one of the the raw six mans that the Shield used to have against literally any three people they put in, they were putting the ring with. Uh, this was this was that good. It was a this was a great match. Um, I know some people aren't happy with the finish with Roman uh, picking up the big win over Riddle after slam after pretty much going through everybody. Uh, Superman punched the Randy Orton, slamming Drew McIntyre through a table, and then spearing Riddle uh, to get the win. So he pretty much laid out everybody. I. You know, I get why, and I, I you, know, you definitely could have had RK Bro or Drew McIntyre. Actually, he probably would have been the ideal one to pick up a win over Jimmy. Jimmy, not main event Jay. Jimmy, <laughs> like, God dang, they just love beating Jay when Jimmy's right there. Jimmy, but to that, if Roman Reigns is in the match, he shouldn't be losing. I, I, I'm completely fine with Roman Reigns. If he's in the match, he's not losing. Like that doesn't bother me because it's like he's he's like Thanos. <laughs> like he feels like Thanos when something goes wrong and he steps into the ring. You know what time it is. So when he eventually does lose, it's gonna fe- it's gonna be a big deal. Even when if it's like even if it's Jimmy, 
Again, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, not Jay, not Jay. Even if it's Jimmy losing, it's going to feel like a big deal. And that, and I can see how you protecting that win will then prolong the win that you put over Roman Reigns in a six-man, which then prolongs the win for eventually when he does lose that singles match. So I, I get it if that's what the mindset is, and that could just be me giving WWE way too much credit as far as long-term planning. Yeah, because that first loss should mean something. Now, part of me would say that maybe it could have happened last night and Drew McIntyre sends the ultimate message to Roman Reigns. But as you said, Jimmy is the perfect guy to take the pinfall. Right That's there. the one thing that would antagonize Roman Reigns the most. Like, oh, my main Avenger Uso didn't take the fall, but you right. did. He will See? always give Jimmy the side eye for every loss. So every time the Usos are in a match, I look for Jimmy to say, are you going to take the loss here? Well, Roman would be mad with you because Roman would cut him the eyes and look directly at him and say, it's your fault. And that would bring dishonor to the bloodline. That would add heat to their storyline. And you can sense things blowing up eventually. You got so many stories that can be built up heading into stadium season. You got the potential of Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns. The fans would love that feud. It would be a very good match. You could you could do it at Hell in a Cell. You could do it at Money in the Bank. You have so many options to space out the big title matches for SummerSlam and eventually clash the castle. You've got Shisuke Nakamura. You can burn that off on TV or pay-per-view. You've got Randy Orton. You've got Cody if you want to go there. And ultimately, of course, Drew McIntyre and Cardoff Wells. You've got the options right there to make Roman eventually lose in a big setting that counts for something. Because, you know, we saw a video a few days ago that pretty much lays out Roman's next steps, which might not be in a WWE ring. And right now you might want to plan those steps by having these fuse lined up that makes sense that could lead to Roman going through Randy, going through Shisuke Nakamura and running into a roadblock when it comes to Cody Rose and eventually Drew McIntyre. Because I cannot imagine Roman carrying both of these titles heading into WrestleMania if it is going to be him versus The Rock. And, you know, WWE does need to be a little careful here as far as what the plans are and who the plans are for. Um, You know, next we have Hell in a Cell. Then we have Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank is in Chicago. Um, You know, you got to be careful playing with that Chicago crowd. You know, you you can't just put anybody out there. Like, this is what I'm talking about as far as having the next man up ready to go. Let's say, Bobby, like, again – Bobby Lashley, as an example, let's say he does end up winning the rubber match over Omos, which we all know is coming. Like, he has a loss to Omos, and he's supposed to challenge Roman Reigns? You know what I mean? Like, that that doesn't make any sense. Now, if you had Omos beat Bobby Lashley two times in a row, hey, MVP is a good enough talker. Where we can, that's a fine match to put on, you know, a premium live event. Omos versus Roman Reigns. What the hell? What's going to happen with that? What's he going to do there? You know what I mean? Like, that's fine. That's that's what you do. That's okay. But I don't want to I don't want a 50 50 booked Omos or a looks like it's going to be a 33 33.3% booked Bobby Lashley because I'm sure it's going to be a schmoz finish. So then we're going to have to have a fourth match. Holy hell. Like, I, I just don't under and like it'll probably end up being Seth Rollins. No one WWE. He just came off two losses. Let's throw him in the main event. He could take another loss to Roman Reigns. Like, this is why you have to have people ready, and it better it better not be Cody Rhodes. Because I will say that WWE has they have been putting on bigger matches 
at Money in the Bank. So that's why I'm I'm wondering what do they have in store this year? It can't be Cody. That's it has to be at earliest SummerSlam, but should be WrestleMania. Can't be Seth Rollins. He's coming off two losses to Cody, so that makes no sense. I don't know, man. I this is where I I question what they have planned because what what do you, what big match do you have that's ready to go besides Cody? Yeah. And that's the great unknown. And the matches are there. It's just all about WWE just going there and pulling the trigger. Randy is a great option. It might not be the option they had in mind, but look how over Randy was last night. The guy was over. The guy was getting chanted for, and he wasn't even the match yet. He was over like blockbusters. But unfortunately, I don't know if WWE is going to go there. I think they should, in all honesty. It's a way to bridge that gap between Hell in a Cell, Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, the show and Cardoff. There are there are a lot of ways to go about it, but it's about how WWE navigates it. Do they have a game plan? I honestly do not know because look at the main event. The initial idea was going to be a unified tag team title match that according to sources, they were never going to do in the first place, which makes me wonder why even hype a match you were never going to deliver. Why hype it up? Why give us a reason to care? And the six-man tag match delivered, but at the same time, well, what's next after this? That's the big question for a lot of people. You know, like Cody Rhodes, where do you go from there? Seth Rollins, where do you go from there? Um, I, I do think we're going to get the Bobby Lashley, Omos third match. Um, I think the uh, Damian Priest, Edge, and Finn Balor, AJ Styles. I think we kind of know what's going on there. We just need to figure out uh, who the who the the woman wrestler is going to be for Rhea Ripley to kind of engage with. But, you know, like for for Roman, yeah, where do you go next? Drew McIntyre is on the horizon, but they can't go to him before going to the UK. So I, they do have that going for them. There is some intrigue as far as where do they go. So I, I will be looking forward to that on Monday Night Raw. But, man, I... Just some, there's they, they they could be put in a better position if they would just put some thought into guys who aren't in the title picture. That's just just a little bit of thought. Exactly, and that is going to be the one key focus heading into tonight's Raw and eventually SmackDown. What is going to happen next for a lot of people? Because once again, I fear it's going to be one more month of repeats and then we're cleaning things out for Money in the Bank and hopefully there are no repeats to be found. The All of the qualifying matches for the latter matches, which should be very good. But just one more show to get through of more rematches, unfortunately. Hopefully some play out on TV because I don't want to see more rematches for Hell in a Cell. With a few exceptions, I do want to see Cody and Seth one more time inside of a cell and that's it for me. Yeah, I, th- I think we're gonna get. I think we're gonna get Charlotte and Ronda. So she will recover from her broken arm just in time for one more blow off match. I, I do think that's probably what we're gonna end up getting. I think. We're, I think that's gonna be the only thing that you could do that tops an I quit match is a Hell in a Cell match. Um, and that because I, I don't. I don't know if I want Seth Rollins to take that third loss to Cody. Man, I, that's. That's a lot for Rollins to take right there. So, and I don't know what other match you would put in the Hell in a Cell. You can't do Finn. You can't do a tag match like Finn and a- Finn and AJ versus Damian and Edge. Like that would be ridiculous. So, that would be, that would bring back like DX versus Vince, Big Show, and whoever the hell else was in that tag match with them. I think it was Shane McMahon in Hell in a Cell where they put Vince in Big Show's butt. 
No, no, <laughs> no. I subject me to that flashback of Big Joe's ass all out and just the cheeks cheeking. No. That dude had no. a huge butt because Vince's head got lost <laughs> in his cheeks, though. You're like, you know what I'm saying? When Triple H put his head in his butt, he got lost in the cheeks. He saw all seven wonders of the world that particular night. This is what WrestleMania backlash do. It make us talk about Big Show's cheeks and how Vince McMahon got <laughs> lost in them. And that will be a show we will not review. <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't worry, Keela. I won't ever pick that show. <laughs> don't ever do it because I don't want to relive that moment again, even though you made me relive it just now as we wrap up <laughs> the 2022 edition of WrestleMania Backlash. So, Scott, what are your final thoughts on this premium live event for WWE? I think it was good. You know, it's, it's a fine. If, look, for ten dollars, it's fine. I'm, I'm gonna get the network anyway because there's other stuff I'm gonna watch. You know, like the broke. They have new Broken Skull um, shows, and the some of the documentaries are fine. And looking back, some of the old stuff is good. So for the ten bucks, yeah, I think it's a it's a fine super size or extra special raw because that's essentially all it was with two with a great main event and a great opener. But the, essentially, these are all matches that I guarantee. Actually, maybe even the six men that we will probably see on a Raw at some point this time this year. But I'll give it a six out of ten as well. I will give this show a seven out of ten oh, for the wow. opener. I'm I'm being generous. The opener was great involving Cody and Seth. The main event was a lot of fun. And I will give Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey props for delivering a very good match. And Charlotte Flair throwing a camera at Ronda Rousey. That was good. That was cool. I actually did really like that because it's like she's like, yo, just get the hell away from me with those kendo sticks. <laughs> that, that, see, that makes sense. That's what you would do at that point in a fight. You're like, yo, I got to get them sticks away from her. Give me anything I can. See, I... I Charlotte Flair, man. Who else Who else would have grabbed the camera and threw it at Ronda Rousey? Charlotte Flair. Yes. And I should have thrown the cameraman and the camera at Ronda Rousey. <laughs> that would have had a greater effect. <laughs> Not grab the one thing. But all in all, I thought this was a solid show by WWE. The Providence fans had a good time. They were shortchanged on the initial main event of the tag team title match. But the six-man mat, the six-man tag delivered in a big way, and everything else was very much in the middle. So all in all, a seven out of ten, not a bad show by WWE. Because up until now, the worst show of this year has by far been the Warrior Rumble. So this is definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, I agree with all that. So let's just let's just keep the match quality going. You know, let's like you said, let's get these these rubber matches out the way. Hopefully on Raw. And let's move on to something fresh. I am intrigued to see where they go next. Yes, so we'll see the fallout tonight on Monday Night Raw and, of course, on SmackDown on Friday. And we'll be back here next week covering all things WWE. So this wraps up a very entertaining episode of The Wrap, not sponsored by Red Lobster. (laughs) I just wanted to clarify that. Well, if I'm not getting no biscuits, I'm I'm definitely not going to be mentioning them for free anymore. I thought I was getting some free biscuits out of this whole thing. Now they do sell the home kit at a grocery store near you to make sure you can have your own cheddar biscuits. Fluffy. Not the same. Thick. (laughs) 
it's not the same as them bringing it out in the basket for you with the you know with the no. little napkin over top and bringing that nice that nice cold soda beside you with your salad right there when you got your hot biscuit with your nice cold salad it's just a, just a lovely appetizing combination right there it really is. And to just think that Happy Corbin can serve me like that and I won't give him a fucking tip. You won't get a cent from me, sir. It's a big no. guy to be serving you, too. I know. Very That's tall. a big dude to be serving. Very tall to be serving me. He's bidding very low to low to lower the biscuits on the table. But he understands the assignment and we appreciate him for that. So on that note, this wraps up this week's episode of The Wrap. As always. <laughs> I want to thank Scott for joining me per the usual as he managed to pop me in ways I didn't think was possible on this particular show. Well, I want to give a big shout out to the biscuits. I think the bis- <laughs> the biscuits played a big part in this. So, uh, yeah, again, won't name who they're from, but we love those biscuits. We sure do. And if we get a sponsorship deal out of this, you know what? We're doing good. Real, real good. So shout out to that chain with the little... Red Larry on the top of the sign. Well played. <laughs> See, every lobster's called Larry when you boil his ass and just get him to a perfect temperature and crack him open. But hey, well, cooking nice. tips for another. Day. Well, listen, that's his fate. <laughs> that that's his so- destiny. <laughs> his destiny to get boiled, you know, hot tub, hot tub Larry. But on that note, once again, this wraps up the wrap. And we'll be back next week covering all things WWE for your listening pleasure. So for myself and for Scott, that's a wrap on WrestleMania Backlash 2022.